since this is Wednesday night, y'all used to church anyway, I may just preach all three of them. Okay, I know you got your Bible, so turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, all right. While you're turning there, let me let me say something just to the young people tonight. Now, if you're going to sleep tonight, as an adult, you just do it right now, all right? Because uh, I'm just going to talk to the teenagers and young people that are here, young adults. If there's anything true in this world, it is true that Satan hates you. He is not your friend. He is your enemy. The amazing thing is, oftentimes, he shows up like a friend. John chapter 8, don't turn there, but John chapter 8, verse 44, says that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies, and the truth dwelleth not in him. Satan can't tell the truth if he wanted to. Now, he doesn't want to. But he couldn't tell the truth if he wanted to. He is a liar. And he's going to lie to you about God. He's going to lie to you about morality. He's going to lie to you about spiritual purity and moral purity. And in this society that we're living in now, Again, young people, I'm an old fogey. I, I was born eons and eons and eons ago when nobody had any fun. But things that are available to you, you can do it one time and die. They weren't there for me. Other things were. But yet not what you have to face today. It's horrible. And parents need to know where you are. They need to know who your friends are. They need to know who's on your Facebook. They need to know what your password is. I remember when my two children were growing up. They they uh, they're they're getting to be old fogies now. Uh, Wins, listen to this, Mary. He's forty four years old. Stinking kid. <laughs> he pastors up in Charlottesville, Virginia. Vonda's forty now, and uh, they live in Michigan. But I told them, I said, as long as you live at home. You don't lock your bedroom door. I'll kick that dude off the hinges because I own it. I told him, I said, you hadn't made one payment on this house. I'll knock it down. And you say, would you? I don't know, I never had to. They never locked that door. Why? Because their daddy doesn't lie to them. Yeah. I remember one time Vonda 
had her license for several weeks. You remember uh, Alicia, Par- Alicia Parsons, uh, was Par- uh, Walton back then, it's Parsons now. They were best friends. She came in one night after dinner and she said, Daddy, Alicia and I want to go to the mall. I said, great, let's go. She said, no, Daddy, said, uh, we want to go by ourselves. I said, not happening. It's not happening. Well, she said, Daddy, you let Wynn go by himself. I said, true, that's true. Well, Daddy, you think it's fair that you let him go, but you won't let me go? I said, no, don't think it's fair at all. But it's not happening. I said, now you can drive. I'll sit in the back seat, and you and Elisa can go in the mall and shop, and I'll walk the mall, and I'll be around. But I said, uh, I've never heard yet of a boy being raped. Heard of girls being raped at a mall. I said, You're not going to the mall by yourself. And by the way, what you ought to be doing, you can still do with me there. You know what? She came back later and thanked me for that. Had a young man, Vonda was a cheerleader in our Christian school, and she also played basketball and softball. And uh, we were playing at a school there in town, and, and uh, she, a young man noticed her. And by the way, my daughter is absolutely beautiful. Looks like me. <laughs> no, it's the strangest thing. Wynn looks like me and acted like, acts like his mama. Vonda looks like her mama and acts like me. It's the strangest thing in the world. But anyway... This young man asked Vonda after, said, do you think maybe we could go out to eat sometime? She said, well, you'll have to talk to my daddy first. See, that was a rule at our house. You don't date anybody that daddy doesn't approve of. I'm her protector. Wynn never asked a girl out until he had my approval to do that. He said, I think that's harsh. I don't really give a rip what you think. I can tell you right now, my son went to his wedding pure. My daughter went to her wedding pure. Yeah, they didn't like it at the time, Daddy and Mama, but I'll tell you something, I'm supposed to be smarter than them. Key word there, supposed to be. Well, I don't want to make them mad. Put them up for adoption then. So they're going to get mad when they don't get to do everything they want to do. You did too when you were young. Y'all, I mean, y'all not that old. Y'all can't remember you were born one time. But young people, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, you've got to make plans to do that. What I'm going to say right now is, is pretty personal. Brother Mark wishes he didn't have some of the baggage that he has to carry from his teenage years. Am I right, preacher? 
I'm almost 73 years old. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I did chew tobacco one time like died. Summertime, August, playing in baseball summer league. Been in a tournament. is the last game, championship game, and I was pitching that night. I stopped by our little neighborhood grocery store, Highland Grocery, there in Garland. I didn't know one tobacco from another one. I, to be honest with you, I still don't really know a whole lot about them. I went in and asked the owner, Mr. Travis Bagwell. I said, Mr. Bagwell, I said, what kind of tobacco do ball players chew? I've always seen them ball players have that great big old chaw in their jaw, you know. And uh, he said, well, I don't have any idea. I said, well, what kind do you suggest? He said, I suggest you don't. I said, no, I'm pitching tonight, and I, 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 I think I need some help. He sold me something called beech nut. Oh, y'all know what that is, huh? I got in my car, and I opened that thing up. It stunk. I looked in there, and it looked like decayed, rotten grass. I pulled out a sprig, and I put it in my jaw, and I looked in the mirror. I'm driving down the road, nothing. By the time I got me a big lump in my jaw, I had about a third or a fourth of that thing in my mouth. Well, I'm out there warming up, <laughs> spitting and chewing and throwing. And about the third inning, I pitched a ball in there, and that batter hit that. It came back head high back through the pitcher's mouth. My daddy said later, said, I knew you was going to catch it when you shut your eyes. I told him, I said, Daddy, I wasn't trying to, to catch it. I was trying to keep from getting decapitated. I mean, that thing was probably going 1,000 miles an hour, it looked like to me. I threw my glove up, hit my webbing. I didn't even have to close it. It just stuck. And it hit me in the chest, and I swallowed. The rest that I had, I just spit all over the field, infield. By the time I got to the dugout, my whole world was going round and round. Man, I went out behind the dugout, and I puked my guts out. I wasn't even saved then. I wasn't a Christian. I prayed, oh God, if you let me live, I'll never do this again. God let me live, and I have never done it again. Uh, I, I just wouldn't tempt God. He, I think he'd probably take me on my word to let me die. But I'm telling you this, young people, if you want to be victorious in your life, you're going to have to make decisions before the temptation ever comes up. Daniel, there in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat and the king's wine. Now when did he purpose I think when Nebuchadnezzar took those choice young people from 
Jerusalem back to Babylon, that somewhere from Jerusalem to Babylon, old Daniel told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, look, we're going to be tested and tried in this foreign country. These are heathens that we're, have been captured by. So we need to decide what we will do and what we won't do. And Daniel said, I'm purposing now. I won't eat anything offered to an idol. Listen to me very carefully. He went into a den of lions, but he purposed. He purposed, I'm going to pray three times a day. King said, you can't pray to any other God besides me. He didn't listen to that. He just kept praying to God three times a day, morning, noon, and night. They cooked him, threw him in the lion's den. God gave Leo the lockjaw. He went to sleep laying on a lion, I think. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Remember the uh, king put up this great big old statue and said every time you hear all this music, you bow down and worship. They said, we're not going to do that. Our God says we're to have no other gods before him. We've purposed in our heart. We're not going to do that. If they had waited to see how many people around them were going to stand, they would have bowed because they were the only three standing. They purposed in their heart. <laughs> Made old Nebuchadnezzar mad, and so he heated his furnace seven times hotter than usual. Took him over there, and the guys that took him over, they died from the heat. They put Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in there. I don't know this for a fact, but I think something like this probably happened in heaven, Brother Mark. I think the Lord Jesus said to God the Father, you see those boys they love us don't they they're, th they're standing Lord I'll be right back I'm going to go down in that furnace with them and I'm going to show them central air conditioning and old king said we threw three in and I see four that would have never happened if they waited until the temptation came. Listen to your mom. Listen to your dad. Now mom and dad, you have a tremendous responsibility to talk to your kids about morality, about holy living, but it's hard to talk to them about it if you're not doing it. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, let's go to something else now. Matthew chapter 7. You already said that. <laughs> now, I'm not going to preach long tonight. I'm just going to preach till I get through. I've entitled the message tonight, the second one. I've entitled my second message tonight, With God, it is never either or. What do you want to do tonight? Oh, I don't care what you want to do. Well, it doesn't matter. It's either or. You know, with God, it's never either or. It's either right or wrong. It's either up or down. It's either in or out. And when you really stop and think about it, in our 
Christian society today, there, there are many gray areas. Now, what are those gray areas? Those gray areas are those areas that the Bible does not come right out and say, Thou shalt not do this, or Thou shalt do this. And so in those gray areas, that's where we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in what we want to do. Let, let, me, let me give you just a very simple example of that. that there are some folks that don't eat pork. Uh, not just Jews, but there are Gentiles, some that just don't eat pork. They think pork is bad for you, and they, they don't eat that. Now, they can't show you in the Scripture where that's right. As a matter of fact, I can show you in Scripture where what God's cleansed, let no man call unclean. And that was all kinds of unclean animals, which the pig, the hog, the swine is an unclean animal. That's why the Jews did not eat it. But Jesus Christ became the end of that ceremonial law. But if God leads a person not to partake of pork, that's a gray area. He can't preach it to me that I shouldn't eat pork. I think I would just, you know, I heard a story, and if you're here, I don't want to offend you with what I'm about to say, but uh, there was a fellow one time, and, and uh, he, he went to church. He went to, with his friend to the Catholic church, and he decided he'd join. And uh, so the priest told him he did this, you know, and he said, you are now a Catholic. Well, the priest came by one day, and he saw that fellow there, and, and uh, he, he was eating some things that he probably shouldn't, and uh, they told him, they said, you know, we, we don't, uh, during, during Lent and all, we don't eat any meat, and we don't eat pork, especially during Lent. And so he did this, and he said, you're now a salad. Whether you eat pork or don't eat pork, it's between you and God. See? Now, if you don't eat it, that's fine, but now when I have Eggs, I want bacon or sausage or ham or all of them. A person can decide what church to attend. Watch it. Within the perimeters, us does that church believe this book? And do they preach and teach this book? And is it the basis of what they do in their church? Now, you can choose any church you want to go to. I think if you live within an easy driving distance, that's within 40 miles, well, you probably ought to go to this church. I think if you get closer to Waco, you ought to go to Parkview. You can decide, you know, where to go on vacation. I wonder where God wants me to go on vacation. Well, probably where you'd like to go. If it's not someplace where you're going to lose all your money like lost wages, I mean Las Vegas. What I'm saying, they're, they're gray areas. But when it comes to spiritual truth, it's either right or wrong. It's either God's way or in reality, no way. Years and years ago, there was a big ocean liner that left England, was coming to America called the Titanic. 
it sunk, a little over 2,200 people lost their lives. Back in England, they there at the plant where the ship was built, where it left from, they had a big sign up there, and they had people's names on it. And every day, family members of those that were on the Titanic, they would come there and they would look. Left column said saved. Right column said lost. And you know, that is the situation that every individual on the face of God's earth find themselves spiritually. We're either saved, born again, or we're unsaved and lost. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area there. You're not saved today and lost tomorrow. Donna Collier in our church, when I first went there, every morning she woke up in the lost and found department. She didn't know whether she was saved or lost. I don't know how many times she would come down and pray and Ask God to save her. And then the next day she'd be right back in the same predicament. I don't know whether I'm saved or not. And finally I said one day, I said, Don, I want you to come into my office. So she and R.W. came in. Her husband came into my office. I took her through the plan of salvation. She said, Preacher, I've done that I don't know how many times. I said, okay. I said, now I want you to look up toward the ceiling and act like you're looking at heaven. She looked up. I said, now I want you to repeat. Just Now what I'm saying, repeat it. God, you lied. She said, well, I can't say that. She said, I'm saved. I said, how do you know that? She said, because God doesn't lie. I was telling pastor today, I preached a message not too long ago in our church and and uh, I was talking about the healing of the nobleman's son. Jesus was there in, in Galilee, and uh, this nobleman, matter of fact, we believe he probably was a uh, Roman centurion, he came the short distance, about 17 miles from Capernaum down to where Jesus was, and he said, my son is sick and dying, would you come and heal him? Jesus said, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm ministering here. He said, you don't understand. My son is dying. I need you to come. And here, here's what Jesus said. Go thy way. Thy son liveth. Jesus didn't go with him. But Jesus told him, said, your son, he's well. He did not say he will be well. He said, your Son lives. Now, we read down a verse or two there in John chapter 4. And this man shows up at home. His servants run out and say, Your boy's well. The fever left him. He said, What time did that happen? Now listen. They said, Yesterday at 1 p.m. Wait a minute. Why didn't that daddy 
run that 17 miles or take his chariot and go that 17 miles right then to see if his son lived because he believed what Jesus said. He, he must have said, I've got business to take care of here. I'll take care of the business, then I'll go home. So the next day he goes home. And I mean, he wasn't surprised when they came out and said, your son lived. He said, well, what time? One o'clock yesterday. When Jesus said, thy son lives, that daddy believed it. You're here tonight. You are only one of the two. Saved or lost? Notice, I didn't say you're either baptized or you're lost. You're either a church member or you're lost. You're either a good person or you're lost. The lake of fire is going to be well populated with good people. We were talking, brother and I were talking before the service. Isaiah said, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in his sight. He didn't say all of our sins are. He said the very best that we can do ourselves is like filthy rags in his sight. What do you think our sin looks like to him? If the righteousness that we could do is as filthy rags. Now I want you to notice what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Why? Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Verse 13, notice this word, many. The way to destruction, which is another way of Jesus saying, the way to eternal damnation, the way to eternal judgment, the way to the lake of fire, is a broad way. What do you do to get on that broad way? Well, let me tell you how you get there. You're born the first time. When you're conceived in your mother's womb, you're a sinner. David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're all born sinners. We don't have any choice about it. It's just like you don't have a choice of who your mom and dad are. You're stuck with them. By the way, they stuck with you too. But when you're born, you're born on this great, humongous, broad way that's going to lead you to destruction and the vast majority of the population of the world from Adam till the last person that lives, the vast majority is going to go into hell. That's sad to me. Why is that? Well, the Bible says 
that the way that leads to life is the straight and the narrow. Few there be that find it. How narrow is that way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father who is in heaven but by me. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man tries to come up any other way, he is a thief and a robber. You will either come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or you will not go to heaven when you die. It's impossible. You say, well, yeah, but wait a minute, preacher. I remember reading somewhere or a preacher said one time that you had to be baptized to be saved. Oh, you hear that all the time. Young people, listen to me. Now, y'all, are, y'all are very intelligent in this generation. I want you to think about this with me. Now, I want you to put your thinking cap on. Is our sin problem inward or outward? That's not a trick question. Where does that sin originate in our life? In us or outside? Dalton? Where is it? See, his girlfriend's not here to tell him, so I'm going to help him with it. (laughs) Our hands do what our mind tells them to do. We take our body where our mind tells us to take it. We say what we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So our sin problem is inward, that is manifested outwardly by what we say, what we do, who we're with, where we go, what we wear. Everything about us is an evidence of what really is in our heart. So if my sin problem, Brother Todd, if it's inward, then that baptismal water Better get inside where my sin is. You don't need to be baptized. You need to drink it. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You say, but wait a minute, preacher. What about there in the gospel of of Mark where it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, I believe that 100%. Let me illustrate that for you. He that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now don't stop there. Finish the verse. He that believeth not shall be damned. Alright, uh, I'm going to pick on uh, Dalton again. Let's say Dalton wants to go to a rodeo somewhere and his truck's broke down and Brother Mark's gone someplace and Mary's gone someplace and he doesn't have any. His brother won't let him use his truck. And, and so I'm here and, and uh, I said, tell you what I'll do. Dalton, I'm going to take you down to the bus station. And I'm going to get you on a bus. Let's say, where, where's a good rodeo you'd like to go to? Calgary. Calgary Stampede. Yeah, 
Okay, he wants to go to Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. He wants to go up there to that rodeo. That's on my bucket list, by the way. So I take him down here to the bus station, and here's a bus that says Calgary. Now here's what I'm going to tell him. Dalton, if you'll get on that bus and sit down, you're going to go to Calgary. Is that true? Come on, folk. Yeah, that's true. So he gets on the bus and he says, well, I don't want to sit down. I want to stand up. Well, as long as he's on that bus, whether he sits or stands, he's going to Calgary. That's what Mark said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but if you don't believe, you shall be damned. Baptism doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. What about people that can't be baptized? Is Jesus a respecter of persons? Absolutely not. There are some people who can't be baptized. You live in the Sahara Desert and you're one of those uh, Bedouins that travel across the desert. They don't have enough water in one place to baptize anybody. And if they did, they wouldn't want to put their stinking body in water they could drink. I have a missionary, he's just about retired now, but for years has been a missionary in northern Ontario, Canada. He was a pilot also, bush pilot. He had an Eskimo man that he saw saved and, and taught him some English and and so he would go along as his translator. And uh, they were flying around one time and this blue norther blew up. I mean, it, it wasn't on the plans. He, he checked the weather before they left. And I mean, it just blew up. And so he told his friend, he said, we tried to outrun it, turning three different times. We can't. We're going to have to find a place to set this down and weather it out. So they found a, a smooth spot. That would be a lake. Of course, it's frozen over, probably about six foot of, of ice on top of it. And so he landed on. He landed on, on the skis, and they got out, took some tires out, tied the wings down, made it into this village. It was a full blowing blizzard time they got this first cabin. Beat on the door. An old blind Eskimo woman came to the door. Let them inside. They took their parkas off, got over by a fire in the fireplace, warming up. And through his translator, he said, Dear lady, I came here today to tell you about Jesus Christ. He said, Man, God had a reason. He sent a whole blizzard to put me down here. So he told her, he said, I came to tell you about Jesus Christ. When she heard the word, the name Jesus Christ, she started clapping her hands and tears began to come down her cheeks. She said, when I was 14 years old, a missionary came through our village and told me the story of Jesus and said, I didn't do anything about it, but every day I prayed that somebody would come and tell me about Jesus. She asked the Lord to save her that day. Listen to this. She was 114 years old. For a hundred years she prayed. And God said, I got a soul winning missionary in a plane, but he won't know to stop there, so I'll just put him on the ground. Now, what if 
Brother Garland Cofield believed you had to be baptized to be saved. You better get her baptized pretty quick because 114, she doesn't have long to live. <laughs> They'd have to go out there and chip that ice away. And I believe they would have to take a crying, what word am I thinking? Screaming, scratching, clawing, 114-year-old woman fighting like everything. You're not putting me in that water. Yeah, we got to get you in. I told somebody one time, they'd shove her down in there and she'd come up an Eskimo pie. No power in water to wash away sin. It's receiving Christ as your Savior. The only way to heaven is to be born again. You don't turn there, but in John chapter 3, a ruler of the Jews, a man who knew the Jewish law by the name of Nicodemus, came to Jesus. He had been watching the miracles that Jesus was doing. Because there in John 3, he said, no man could do these miracles that you're doing except God's with him. Jesus looked at him. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you hope to see or enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he in the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. You've got to be born through what the Word says and the Spirit of God taking that to your heart. Now, here's what it is. The Word of God says if you want to go to heaven, Jesus said He's the only way. And if you're in your heart, realize that you need Him tonight. That's the Holy Spirit taking that biblical truth to your life and He expects you Listen to me. He expects you and he wants and he desires for you to do that tonight. Several years ago, several, several years ago, when I was in evangelism, uh, that's where uh, we would travel, go from church to church like I'm here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, if I, my wife was still living and we were still traveling, then we'd hook our trailer up. And we'd take off tonight after church and drive three or four hours and stop at a Walmart or a truck stop and turn our generator on and go to sleep and get up the next day and morning and we'd go to our next church and we'd preach another four, five, six, eight days, sometimes ten day revival. I was in Athens, uh, Tennessee. Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. Never will forget it. We opened on Sunday morning and I was sitting up on the platform with a pastor. I lived for eight and a half years. I lived at the Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The ranch started as a ministry to reach deaf boys and girls with the gospel. So we learned sign language. I uh, just looked out across and I saw three deaf people there. And I said to the pastor, I said, do you realize you have three deaf people here today? And he said, oh yeah, I said, they come every Sunday. 
I said, well, who interprets for them? He said, well, we don't have anybody. He said, they, they lip read. I said, well, that's good, Pastor. What do they do when you look down or you turn around to the side? What, what do they do then? I mean, I didn't want to put him on the spot, but I mean, you've got three people coming to your church that you're not ministering to. Well, as soon as that service was over, and I made sure that day, Brother Mark, I didn't look down much, and I didn't turn sideways. There was a deaf married man over here. I got to him. I talked to him in sign language. He told me he was saved. There was a young married man over here. I got to him. He was saved. There was a deaf teenage girl, and she and her family left. They lived out in the country on a farm. Well, came an ice storm. I mean, it was a woolly booger ice storm. And I told Pastor, I said, Pastor, we're going to have to, we can, get out to that farm and talk to that deaf young lady. She had hearing parents, but she was deaf, had been born deaf. So we slipped and slid out there, and we went in, and we talked for a while. The dad worked construction, but he was at home because of the storm, ice storm. And so... We got in there and sat down, and Pam sat on a, a piano bench over there, and I, I was sitting in a chair here, and the pastor was here, and the mom and dad. And her, her name was Pam, P-A-M. Her sign name was Pam. Took a P, it's Pam. Anything in sign language, American Sign Language, anything that's feminine is around the mouth. Anything that's masculine is around the head. Does that tell you anything? Not really. When American Sign Language started, the ladies wore bonnets. Remember the old bonnets that had the sash? So that meant that, that there was a thumb in here and that was girl. So that's how that, it wasn't it, they talk all the time. But anyway, and so we had talked for a while and I looked at her and I said, Pam, if you died today, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to the fire? Would you go to hell? She answered so truthfully. This is how a truthful deaf person that's been in church and knows some of the teaching, she said, I'm late saved. That means I should be, but I've never done it. Late Saved. Saved is you're bound, then you're set free from sin. I took the Bible. I sat over there with her and I explained the scripture that we're all sinners. That sinners go to hell when they die. That Jesus died on the cross for her. And I said... You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. Never will forget this, folks. She looked at me with the saddest look on her face. She took her hands and did this. That's the sign for how. How do I accept Jesus? I said, he died for your sins, and you accept that. He, she said, sins, yes. What about me? 
See, with, with the deaf, you can't play on words. Their vocabulary is not as large as ours is. For, for instance, you, if you're around deaf people, they're very plain. I'm not talking about appearance. I'm talking about in speech. Uh, they, they would come to me and they say, boy, you're well upholstered. Somebody would say that to me. Deaf would never say that. They wouldn't know what that meant. They meant they had some type of material on. See, we mean you're overweight. You're well upholstered. They'd just look at you and say, why are you so fat? I mean, they don't mean anything by it. That, that's just their vocabulary. And so I told her, and I took her to John 1, 12. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I said, do you believe Jesus? Yes. Jesus said, accept, receive what I did for you on the cross because I died, now watch this, for your place. Then she realized Jesus died for her personally. She prayed, Lord Jesus, save me now. That summer, that summer at the camp, Bill Rice III and I were talking there by registration. A school bus pulled in, deaf children. By the way, deaf weeks were the noisiest weeks we had. See, I can tell y'all, be quiet. You have to tell every deaf person. If they're not looking at you, they don't hear what you're telling them. So they'll just hear, hey, you know, they just keep making sounds. A friend of mine, Don Cabbage, married Dr. Miss Bill Rice's deaf daughter, Betty. Don told me one time, said, boy, it's terrible arguing with Betty. Said, I, she signs her side of it and then shuts her eyes. <laughs> he said, I never win an argument. I just, that's it. That bus pulled in and I heard somebody, oh, 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 oh. I looked around, it was Pam. She said, finished. I'm saved, it's finished. Jesus were to come tonight do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know saved finished let's bow our heads in prayer our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment well I appreciate your listening tonight and the attention you gave That's all well and good, but now we're, we're down where the rubber meets the road. The Holy Spirit spoken to your heart tonight that you're not 100% sure if you died you'd go to heaven tonight's the gift, night to get it settled. Because you see, this moment in time is the only time you have promised to you. There are young people that are in funeral homes tonight that didn't think they'd be there 
yesterday. There are adults that are at the funeral home as customers tonight that didn't think they'd be there a day or two ago. So the only time we have guaranteed is now. The Bible said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. And it says, listen to it, don't harden your heart. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around, so no one will be embarrassed. I wonder you'd say tonight, Preacher, I don't have that deep, settled peace. I pillow my head at night. I don't really know 100% if I died and go to heaven. But I want to know that. And I wish you'd pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift that hand till I see it and then slip it down? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Would there be others? Just lift it till I see it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. You may put it down. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Would there be others? Would there be a, Yes, thank you. I'm glad we waited. Yes, ma'am. Glad we waited. Thank you. Others? Those of you that raised your hand, listen to me. If you really mean that tonight, Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door, I'll come into him. If you'll, by faith tonight, if you'll pray this prayer with me in your heart, not out loud, don't want to embarrass you, but you pray this in your heart with me tonight and mean it, Christ will come into your life. Heaven will become your home. You'll have someone to help you live your life. A life of joy, a life of peace, a life of success. Pray this prayer with me and mean it. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he died for my place. I ask you to come into my heart. Save me right now. I accept you. I receive you as my Savior. Again, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder, you're here and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Would you just lift your hand across the building? God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up. I want you to stand quietly to your feet. I want some music to play. Pastor's going to be here at the front. You made that prayer. You said that prayer. I want you to come tonight. Take him by the hand. And just say, Preacher, I trusted Christ tonight. I settled it. I trusted Christ tonight. Let's stand together, please. Music's going to play. You ought to come. Come on right now. Come tell him. I trusted Jesus tonight tell one of these ladies I trusted Jesus tonight one of these men I trusted Jesus tonight go ahead and turn that up a little bit brother thank you
Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe as a parent, you'll say, you know, I, I really hadn't been the daddy and mama I should be. Helping to lead and direct my children by the grace of God. I shall do that. From this day forward, I'll take my responsibility as a mom, as a dad. Maybe tonight you just ought to come and pray around this altar tonight. Say, by God's grace, I'll be the parent that God wants me to be. Jesus, we praise your name tonight. Once again, the Spirit of the living God has done his work. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we just simply say thank you tonight. In Jesus' name. for these that came forward tonight, Father. Father, we ask that if they made a decision to follow Christ tonight, Father, that you would just love them, help them from this day forward, Father. Lead and guide and direct their steps all the days of their life. In Jesus' mighty name, we as a church said amen. Somebody give God a praise, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may be seated one second. If you made a decision to follow Christ tonight, made Jesus your Lord and Savior, fill out one of them green sheets. Take one time tonight before you leave here and fill out one of them green sheets. And uh, we want to know you. We want to talk to you about joining this church, uh, getting baptized, because getting baptized is important. As It's, it's the next step you take. It, 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 it's telling the whole world, I, I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And I'm telling you, I tell people all the time, what is baptism to me? It's a public profession of faith. Out with the old and up with the new. Amen. I think I am who I am today because when pastor baptized me, he held me under a little bit longer than I should. Probably what happened to me. Amen. Uh, pastor baptized me and Mary and, and uh, Dalton and uh, Brother Doug. Did Brother Doug baptize you or Preacher baptized, preacher baptized you and, and Brother Larry and me baptized Justin and so I just want to encourage you, if you gave your heart to Jesus tonight, man, God bless you. You keep walking with him. Get in this church. Get around this youth group. And if you didn't make a decision tonight, I want to encourage you to see one of us. Maybe we can pray with you about things after church. We're not in no hurry. You saw this force field right up here. And we're willing to stay and pray with you tonight. Pastor, I was going to ask you a question. and Can you come back up here one second? Do you mind? Well, does it bother you? Can you turn this mic on? Or I can hand it to you down there. This was on my heart. Test. This was on my heart to ask you. Failed. Failed. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, give Pastor Carl your big round of applause. What an amazing three days.